there's a new member of the Final Four Club, and they hail from Lubbock, Texas. There's a spirit and the Texas Tech Red Raiders for the second time in three years are headed to the College World Series. Welker takes it at the 11. New routines pave the way. Welcome in, everybody, to the Talking Tech Podcast, powered by Guns Up Nation, part of the Guns Up Nation Podcast Network. I'm your host, Stephen Rodriguez, my co-host, Tristan McGonigal. Tristan, we have officially defeated Chris Beard. Destiny has been fulfilled, and man, does it feel so good. Does it feel so good to, re- to get that retribution, to get that affirmation, to know that things are even better now, and we went and did what we had to. Yeah, you know, when you really think about it, everything's working out pretty great for us. This is kind of a storybook season so far. Obviously, long way to go. A lot more good teams to beat. Teams that are much better than Texas, by the way. Uh, and then, you know, but but really, you look at the grand scheme of things and you're like, hey, and I wanted, I wanted to get to this before we start talking about the game. But, uh, you know, with how, how mediocre we were these last two seasons – that we had Chris Beard as our head coach and really switching at the right time, him leaving at almost the perfect time for Mark Adams to come in and improve this team and improve this program. I think everything is working out pretty fantastic for Texas tech here. I mean, that's an excellent point. I mean, we remember we were, uh, we're watching ourselves skid a, a bit these last couple seasons, you know, ending in a bit of disappointment. I mean, it's not like they were bad seasons, but just to see Mark Adams take over the team and rejuvenate it, you know, really get his hands all over it without being shut down by Chris Beard, you know, especially with the offense and really leaning into his defense. It's just shown what can happen whenever you let the real mastermind have control over the program. And he's proved it. He's proved that he's the real basketball coach here. Yeah. And I wanted to talk about Beard versus Adams right now, because you look at just this season, you don't have to look put everything that happened from last year on. Don't even think about that. Look at two guys that have just started at a new, as head coach at a program first year being head coach, bunch of transfers on both of these teams, Uh, you know, seven to eight transfers making up the majority of the minutes on both of these teams. Mark Adams has done more with quote unquote less than Chris Beard has done so far this season. And I say that what I mean is Chris Beard got three of the top 10 available transfers on the transfer portal by a lot of people's standards. And then he also picked up guys like Devin Askew and uh, Dylan DeSue and those type of players. While Mark Adams got guys that fit his system but were underlooked guys like Bryson Williams and Adonis arms and Davion Warren. I mean, Kevin O'Banner was a highly touted transfer, but really the rest of those, the rest of our transfers haven't been, you know, very talked about in the off season. And so for Chris Beard to have a quote unquote, more talented team and do way less with it. I think that shows who's the better coach here. I think you're really painting who's better at talent evaluation. I think Mark Adams knows what he's looking for. 
And Mark Adams is has an idea of the exact player he wants to get out of the transfer portal. And I don't think he really cares what the, you know, general consensus is of who's a better player, you know, in the media rank eyes. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's the bit one of the biggest differences. The biggest differences between Coach Adams and Coach Beard is I think Coach Beard is so obsessed with perception mm-hmm. that he thinks he just needs to get these superstars with a you know highly touted on every page and all that. And yes, they're great players, but do they fit what he's actually looking for? Or is he just looking for more flash than sustenance? And I think that's what you're seeing with Coach uh, Coach Adams is you're getting these guys who are quietly really good. I mean, these aren't very flashy players. Sure, they can make they can do some awesome things on the court, but you know they're not exactly talked about all across the country. They're, they don't exactly sweep the media. They don't. They're not brought up on ESPN that all that often compared to other players. Um, but I think like you nailed it on the head. I think we got who we needed out of the transfer portal. Not got who would be impressive to everybody else kind of thing. Yeah. And I think it's really less about beard, like what the, what he thinks is the perception and more of beard thinking that he can just have any player join his program and they're going to buy in. That's what he firmly believes. And so Mm. it may not be a fit for the system. It may not be a fit for the defensive mindset, but he's going to grab the most talented players he can out of the portal. And we've seen that, in the past, even with Texas Tech, players that don't necessarily fit. And I don't want to say a guy like Mac McClung doesn't fit, but he kind of doesn't. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like Mark Adams, I don't think would have got Mac McClung on this team. And I mean, we did pretty good with that with last year's team. I'm not trying to crap on Mac McClung or anything. He was a great Red Raider. I was really happy to have him, but you know, he didn't play a ton of defense. So with this defensive culture and Beard's trying to do the same thing over there at Texas, it's not, he's not getting the right guys. Trey Mitchell is not a good guy to have on a, on a Chris Beard team. Marcus Carr, as good as he is, is not a good guy to have on a Chris Beard coach team. Dylan Disu. I mean, you're seeing all these guys, Bishop, uh, whoever else, all these other transfers, they're not doing well in his offense and he's just not getting the right personnel on this team. And uh, Beard thinks he can just coach anybody up to fit the system. And that's just not true. While Adams, I think, is realizing, hey, we need to get the right guys for this type of system. See, I think I think Mac McClung's a great example. You know, like you said, you know, we love him in huge props to him. You know, he was he was wearing, wearing his red and black that night cheering us on mm-hmm. um, as any good alum should. Uh, but you're right. He's a perfect example of what Chris Beard looks for in the transfer portal. Whatever, the reason why he went after Mac McClung is because getting Mac McClung was a big deal for Texas Tech because he was like the most sought after transfer or one of the most sought after, sought after transfers in the country. You know, he's a YouTube star. He's all over the Internet and he goes to Lubbock, Texas, and Chris Beard gets him there. I think that's what was more obsessed with rather than getting a player that fits the system. And that's why I think it's going to keep continue to be the downfall of UT. I mean, it's kind of the general downfall in UT in general. You know, yeah, they go and get the most talented players out there, but do they fit what they need? And I just don't think UT cares that much if they do fit what they need. I think it's all about perception and flash. I think that's what that whole school is all about, completely top to bottom. I think Chris Beard kind of fits that. Because, I mean, yeah, we can, we can sit here and say all day long, we, we really do have the reaffirmation of with that is that Coach Adams was the real architect of what Texas Tech basketball is. But Chris Beard, he's a he's a salesman and he wants to be in the spotlight. He wants to be the face of a program. That's what matters more than anything. Whoever makes him a bigger face, I think matters the most. I hope I didn't go too off topic there, but I think just just really reiterating the gap 
between what kind of coaches these two these two are. Yeah, no, I think you're right about that. I mean, I went on a podcast pretty recently and and kind of differentiated the styles of coaching that these two guys bring to a program. I I, I said it. I was like, Chris Beard's a salesman. Chris Beard's a motivator. But Mark Adams is a basketball coach, and that's what you're seeing. You're seeing a better basketball team at Texas Tech than you are at Texas right now with what most would regard at, at Texas having better talent right now. And we are doing more with quote-unquote less. And Now, I don't really buy into that much. I think we have extremely talented, extremely underlooked players right now, guys like Adonis and Bryson Williams and those type of players. But, um, I, yeah, I just, I just think – uh, Beard has such a like a stranglehold almost on the media. You know, they just love the guy. And uh, I was listening to the Raiderland with Ryan Hyde and, and Rob Bro pretty recently, and they were talking about how that 2019 run almost did more for Chris Beard than it did for Texas Tech. Uh, and I think that's really that shouldn't be the case. Mm-hmm. You know, Chris Beard was fantastic. You know, he he built up this program. Uh, you know, a good ways. But a lot more went into it than Chris Beard, and we're yeah. seeing that now with Mark Adams and the style of basketball at Texas Tech. I mean, and Tech, Texas Tech Red Raider fans will lose their breath over saying it didn't just start with Coach Beard, mm-hmm. and that's what gets so frustrating. Whenever anyone, anybody on ESPN ever says it's like all these fans need to be grateful for what Coach Beard did at Texas Tech. Whenever it's like, no, that's it's not where it started. I mean, you can go all the way back to Bobby Knight and say that's where things really started picking up speed in Lubbock. And but really, we all know in, in recent history, it began with Tubby Smith. And I'm mm-hmm. so tired of hearing that Coach Beard is what really turned this program into something special. However, he did it with a lot of co- Coach Tubby Smith players. I mean, we were talking mm-hmm. about Norris Odiase, you know, and who was a superstar the other night. Yeah. You know, we could sit here and talk about all those players, and it just that's what really chaps, you know, my my gears over that kind of talk. But it's just it really can't be said enough that it was that what Texas Tech is isn't just what Coach uh, Beard was. And I think that's why the other night was so important to us. This is just proof to the nation, proof to the people that don't pay attention that, no, Texas Tech basketball is here to stay. And it wasn't just one guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So now we're going Now we're going off topic. We will get to the game. But this, wh- how we're going right now feeds into what I wanted to rant about, if you will let me right here. Of course. Of course. Okay. So, so as any Texas Tech fan does, I imagine, after a big win, you go and try to take in as much media as possible about the big win, the atmosphere, what everybody thought about it, national perception of it, local people talking about it, all sorts of stuff. So I listened to about every podcast that I could (laughs) about after Texas Tech beat Texas. And, and, you know, mostly, most of it was great. Everybody was like, oh my God, this is one of the best atmospheres I've ever seen. This is really cool for Texas Tech to get this win. They're the better basketball team, except for one. And that was the CBS Sports podcast, Eye on College Basketball. Um, the, the the host, the main host, they had two guys. One of them was all right, but the other one, his name's Gary Parrish. And I've never listened to this podcast before, but like I said, I was just searching Texas, Texas Tech, you know. And so I listened to it. And basically, instead of talking about the great win that Texas Tech had, he talked about um, why we shouldn't be so mad at Chris Beard. You know, why Texas Tech fans, why are we so angry with Chris Beard? Why are we so mad that he went to Texas? Basically, he started off by saying every coach in college basketball would have done what Chris Beard did, which is just a lie, 
That's asinine. It's just not to just yeah. flat out say that like a fact. Yeah, it's not. I, yeah, he compared it to Chris Mack leaving Xavier for Louisville. And first off, <laughs> Texas Tech is a much better program than what Xavier is. And now that's no that's no hate to Xavier, but they're a Big East school. They're a small Catholic school that just doesn't bring in a ton of revenue. They focus on one sport. Texas Tech is a freaking giant of yeah. college basketball right now. I mean, we are a sleeping giant of college basketball. We put in. Are we, we still in, sleeping? I don't know if we're sleeping anymore. I don't know. There's a lot of there's a lot of people talking about us, but obviously Gary's not talking about us much. But for for them to compare that, it's also comparing UT to Louisville, which mm-hmm. Texas in basketball has is not a blue blood. Like let's not let's stop pretending that Texas is this blue blood of college basketball. They've been to one Final Four since 1950. Texas Tech has also been to one Final Four since 1950. But oh, by the way, it was three years ago. Mm-hmm. Also, Texas has never made the championship game. Texas Tech has gone further than Texas has ever in college basketball. And can I take? Can I? Can I grab a pause? Go here ahead with with your comparison to that comparison. Uh, saying that, you know, you talk about how it's like going from Xavier to Louisville. All right, let's just say all things are even. Let's just say all these programs are awesome and they're all blue bloods. All things are all the same, whatever. Xavier and Louisville are not rivals. And if they are, I've been out of this loop for a long time. Mm -hmm. Texas Tech does not hate any school more than the University of Texas. And it's for a lot of reasons. And for people to act, to just brush that off, to act like that's that's not a factor is really stupid because I know it's everyone keeps saying that it's it's not that it's not that the, the the where it's the how I disagree I think the where is a huge part of why we hate him so much now if he went off to Duke or North Carolina this would not be the same conversation it absolutely wouldn't be and this so I'm with you and I mean it, this kind of goes back to comparing to UT to, to any other blue blood which is just isn't the case because they're not a blue blood. So anyway, yeah. it's just it's a lateral move at best at this point in time. And they went to our rival and people just keep brushing that part off like it shouldn't affect us emotionally. Continue with your rant. No. Yeah. I mean, that was the next part of it, because the next thing he said was he gets why we're mad. He gets why Texas Tech fans are mad at Chris Beard. He doesn't understand why it's so offensive that Beard left for Texas. And what you just said, it's called the rivalry. Mm hmm. It's the same thing as Purdue, Indiana. It's the same thing as Duke, North Carolina. It's the same thing. This is a rivalry. It is. And for everybody just to act like it's not a big deal that he left from Texas Tech to Texas just doesn't understand. They, I don't know where Gary went to school. I don't know what program he's affiliated with, if he ever was. He obviously doesn't know the Texas Tech, Texas history. And how much we absolutely despise that school. Put two to two together. This isn't hard. They're the Texas Longhorns. We're the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Does that not just say, oh, that's probably a rivalry because it's interstate, interconference? That's yeah. just, it's just so oblivious. Mm-hmm. It drives me crazy. Yeah. No, they, I mean, nothing pissed me off more than listening to this podcast after this. And uh, one last thing on it. He said, he, he asked the question, he posed the question for Texas Tech fans. Why was Chris Beard not a scumbag when he left the UNLV job for Texas Tech 
versus when he left? And why was he a scumbag when he left Texas Tech for Texas? It's called the rivalry, Gary. I don't care about UNLV. I don't care about the Rebels. They don't care about us. (laughs) <laughs> I don't mean to cut you off. I just, I just want to add to that point that, you know, comparing sure. those again, another asinine comparison, you know, look, that, that was kind of a bad, bad deal with, for UNLV, but I'm not, I'm not trying to upset any rebel fans here, but going from UNLV to Texas tech is a promotion. Yeah. It's a promotion. And I, and I'm not saying that Texas tech is the absolute premier basketball school. I would say we're up there now. I think we're a great job now, but going from the Rebs to the red Raiders is a huge leap. And plus, you know, there's there was that connection to Chris Beard to Texas Tech. And I get that was kind of a bad deal. But again, it just kind of comes back to the rivalry thing. And it's a lateral job at best now. That's all. That's that's just what's so frustrating about all of this. Yeah. And it, I mean, at this point, it's it's not a better job. It's no. just not. This program that Texas Tech has built has better facilities, has a better fan base, has better support from the higher ups of the university, this is a better job. The boosters. I mean, we have, we are putting in just as much money as UT is putting into this kind of stuff. And we have better fans and we have a better athletic director. I mean, it's just, it's clear to me if you're just basing it, he brought up the whole, the, the Lubbock versus Austin thing. My God. Again, it's not a thing. If, if we just looked at location, SMU Vanderbilt, Freaking yeah. Northwestern would be a fantastic school yeah. and, and with great athletic departments, but they're not because location doesn't matter. It never has. And clearly you've never been to Lubbock because it's great. I say this over and over and over again, how the vast majority of programs, especially the good ones are in college towns. Lubbock, Texas is a college town, but for some reason, anytime Lubbock is ever discussed, it is a negative. And I don't understand why only Lubbock is pointed out for being a negative college talent. I don't understand it. Is it the isolation? A lot of college towns are isolated from major metros. You just haven't put the map together in your head. I just, I, I don't, it really, really frustrates me. That gets me going every time. Yeah. So let's, let's stop that here. Uh, it, it pissed me off and I'm glad that you added to this rant with me because that was something that pissed me off. Go ahead. I was just going to say that this just brings, it just brings to head the way Texas tech fans feel about the Chris Beard move and feel yeah. about UT. Like it's just all these frustrations compiled into one and you have even more spicy things because the UT, the UT has screwed us over even more with the sec move. You know, they just, they just piled on reasons for us to freaking hate them. And we let them hear it. We let them have it. And I'm sure those UT players were shocked to see fans that actually care for once. Yeah. And that's why it felt so good. Yeah. Texas tech just beat Texas 77 to 64. It was never really close. There were some moments there in the second half where you're like, okay, it's getting a little too close for comfort here. I think they got within six, mm-hmm. but overall, I, I, Texas Tech had this game. I was never worried about it. We talked about this yesterday. We were never really worried that that Texas was going to come in here and win. No, because the and I want to I want to start with the atmosphere because there's there has not and will not be a better atmosphere in college basketball than what we saw on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. The support, the camping out, the just absolute insanity that took place in the United Supermarkets Arena 
on Tuesday night will not be matched. This student population, the alumni, the all the fans that paid a bunch of money to be at this freaking game. I mean, it was unbelievable to see. We witnessed history. I mean, Chris Beard only comes back to Lubbock for the first time once. Mm-hmm. And that's what we saw. That's what we experienced. And it just showed the entire country the kind of fan support this team has. Because I, I swear, every pretty much every major journalist that he was even remotely paying attention to the game was saying, this is insanity. This is mayhem. This is a wonderful atmosphere. And that's what I love seeing. I love seeing a school like Texas Tech get that kind of credit because it's pretty rare on the on a major media stage. And it just it's so good to see us really get the credit we deserve because our fans helped us win that game without question. Mm-hmm. No doubt. I mean, I don't think any team in the nation would have won that game against no. Texas Tech with that type of atmosphere. And just it was so nuts. I can't it's hard to put it into words because it was so loud in that freaking stadium. I don't like I don't know how all those people felt, but they had to have pounding headaches the next day just from all the yelling and everything. And that's credit to each and every one of y'all that was at that game and, and gives a crap about this program because that was really cool. I was so jealous. It made me want to be a student again so badly. It took me back to our days there, but we saw nothing like that. I mean, we saw some pretty dang good big games, but that was just mm-hmm. different. That was historic. That was 2008 football level. That was, that was special, man. And I'm so proud of our, our, our fan base for showing out like they did. Yeah, no doubt. So um, let's talk about I, I, I want to run down the players here from both sides just to talk about the type of games they had and everything like that, because uh, you can't start this conversation without talking about Kevin McCuller. Kevin McCuller was so gritty this game. He was this is what you want out of Kevin McCuller was this type of game. Got to the free throw line 15 times, made 12 of those free throws made big shots, played unbelievable defense. K-Mac, you and me both predicted this, yeah. had a comeback game. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, this is what he needed, man. This is the game he needed to come back, and he did. He delivered. He got the most points on the entire team, and he was what really put the game away at the end. He just mm-hmm. kept draining those free throws when we needed them so badly to keep them well out of arm's reach of getting even close to tying the game. And he just kept sinking them like it was his job, man. That was really impressive. And my favorite Kevin McCuller moment for all time now is going to be that three he made. And then the timeout happened. He just started prancing across the court, putting a three to his head. I I swear what he looked straight at the Texas bench when he was doing it too. So, I mean, it's just sweet, sweet, payback to that to that to that big nose guy on the other bench you know if it, it, it felt so good for a game one of his former players to do that to him yeah no doubt I mean he was you could tell early on in the game he really wanted a shot to fall and he missed a couple of layups early and he mm-hmm. you could tell he was so upset that he didn't have one that fell and these last few games he's been in kind of a slump the last few games he hasn't mm-hmm. had a lot of shots fall and so when he got I think it was when uh Malik Wilson got the steal and then they had a fast break, and Kev got the and one right there. That must have felt so freaking good for Kevin mm-hmm. McCullough to get that and one to see a shot fall. It was a lay, it was a tough layup, but he, he saw the ball go through the hoop, and that was just confidence the rest of the way for him. Well, what more can you say than MVP? I mean, he yeah. deserves it, and just he was the one player that I would have nobody else I would have wanted to do better than him, and he did. 
And it just felt so good because, you know, he's just a fighter. He's a leader. He's a veteran. And he just shows he shows what those types of players are supposed to do in games like this. I it just hats off to him, man. Yeah, no doubt. That was a Jarrett Culver level performance from Kevin 100%. McCullough taking over when he needed to. Uh, let's move on, though, to the other Kevin. Kevin O'Banner. Oh, my God. Here he is. Welcome to the party. <laughs> Oral Roberts, Kevin O'Banner. Yeah. He has arrived. <laughs> Absolutely, man. God, I was losing my mind. Five threes. This is the guy we've been looking for this whole time. 15 points from three-pointers? Oh, my God. Because I swear, anytime UT got a lucky-ass three, he was just like, ah, no issue. (laughs) Eat it right back in. Man, did he make them pay from distance. And that's what we thought we were getting all this time. But he really turned it on this game, man. And I love the way he was interacting with the crowd. I love anytime they do their fingers up to the crowd, you know, asking for more from the crowd after a big three, I eat that shit up. Yeah. And this is, I mean, (laughs) you could just, you could tell this guy puts in the work Mm -hmm. with his shot. I mean, all the time with all the reps that he's given, you saw in those last two, three pointers, the ones that one of them bounced high in the air off the rim and, and managed to go in. The other one seemed like it just stopped at the rim and then trickled in. I mean, that's that's the shooter's role, baby. That's what he does. And and he deserved that type of performance because I know his three-pointer hasn't been falling the majority of the season. And for him to go five of seven in such a massive game, that's it your biggest moment of the season mm-hmm. for him to shoot like this, that was huge for him. And that that's only building on his confidence, man. I mean, yeah, I know he hasn't been a scoring machine pretty much all season, but you know, you and I, I don't think we've complained about him at all. This whole time. Well, he's found different ways to be effective. He's found ways rebounding or scoring down low, getting Mm -hmm. dunks. Like he's found a way of shooting, getting fouled, shooting free throws. But now if you add this, oh my God. Uh, I mean, it's just the sky's the limit. All big 12 without question, man. And it's, it's, it's so great to see us utilizing a transfer like him. And like you said, dude, he proved why you, you take his shot over anyone else every single time. And yeah. God did it pay off this time. I'm happy with every Kevin O'Banner shot. I don't care. <laughs> I'm happy with it. I don't care if he's 0 for 10. Uh, shoot it, Kev, because you're going to make him. Uh, you put in way too much work and way too much time to not come through when you need him. So I appreciate uh, your Dexter's Laboratory meme. <laughs> That's always a good one. That's always a <laughs> uh, he, he definitely stunted on him. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, let's let's move on because it's it's crazy that we're talking about this guy third. Uh, a quiet 16 points. Bryson Williams. Oh, my God. Unbelievable from this kid. Uh, he's and, and I should say kid. He's like 23. But, <laughs> I mean, everywhere. He's such a he's a three level scorer, dude. Every single area of the court, you have to be afraid of Bryson Williams. The, the most historic picture from this game, the moment that we'll yes. keep going back to, was that amazing shot of Bryce Williams, who was recruited heavily by Mr. Beard on that bench, draining a three right in front of, it, right, right in front of Beard, right in front of uh, Avery Benson, just in, just all the whole UT bench just with their mouths wide open, staring at him do it, and, it's, and he sinks that shot. Dude. I love seeing this out of Bryson Williams. I wanted him to step up so bad because he picked us over UT. It's just like, dude, go and show him why you picked the right program. And boy, did he. 
he's been a silent scoring machine these past few games. I love how this guy has arrived. Yeah, uh, shouts out Brandon Brager or Briger. Sorry if I that was the guy who took that awesome picture of Bryson Williams. That's an all timer. Try to get mm-hmm. everybody's going to have that picture framed here pretty soon in their band camp uh, without question. Oh yeah, no doubt. That was a, it was a massive game, and and because of the connection with UT and yeah. Rodney Terry, who's now a coach over there with the Longhorns, uh, I, this must have felt really good for Bryson. Um, and he did it everywhere, man. At the beginning, he was down low. Uh, and then he, he was hitting three pointers at the end. I mean, uh, the, I, I look at this and I was like, I, I was really interested to see the matchup between him and Trey Mitchell because Trey Mitchell was a highly, highly touted transfer coming out of UMass. People said he was going to be a, uh, whoever gets Trey Mitchell is getting a, a guy who can put up 20 points a night. And he just hasn't been that dude for UT this year. And seeing how Bryson Williams approached this game versus how Trey Mitchell played, I mean, it's not even questionable that Bryson Williams was one of the best pickups of any team this offseason. Yeah, I think, and I think he chose well. I must say, Mister mm-hmm. Williams did. <laughs> I'd, I'd say so too. A um, few more dudes. A few more dudes. Um, Davion Warren, man, I can't. I love this guy. I've loved this guy mm-hmm. since day one uh, that he decided to come to this team. Uh, there was talks early on in the season. We need to bench uh, Davion for Adonis Arms. We need to bench Davion Warren for Clarence Nadolny. There was people talking about that when Clarence had his good run. Uh, I never wanted to bench Davion Warren. Davion Warren brings so much to this team that goes – it just slips under the cracks. Defensively, he is a freaking menace, man. I mean, staying in front of everybody, getting these steals, drawing charges, he's completely bought in to Mark Adams' style of defense and style of play. And he's so crucial to how this team goes. And, I mean, he made the biggest play of the night, in my opinion, uh, there with five minutes left in the game where we're, we're up 10. We're up pretty good, but there wasn't really any momentum going either team's way. And then all of a sudden you see UT grabs the rebound off a missed shot. And they're going down the opposite way. Trey Mitchell tries to throw it to Courtney Ramey and Davion Warren sees that shit a mile away and goes, steals the ball and gets a big time dunk. We go up 12 with about, I think it was like 455 left in the game. And I mean, that was the dagger. That was where tech just stole the momentum and just finished them off. And the USA roof blew right off. I mean, the word that comes to mind with this guy is relentless. Mm-hmm. He's non Stop, dude. He doesn't give up no matter which side of the court he's on. He doesn't yeah. get lazy. He doesn't he doesn't let up whatsoever. He brings the hammer down full throttle 100 percent. That's I'm with you. I mean, why would you bench that guy? That guy brings the energy. He keeps you moving up and down the whole time. And like yeah. you said, that that dagger, it's how do you how do you re, how do you quantify a dagger? You don't. And that and he just puts an exclamation point on it, man. My head almost hit the ceiling when that play happened. I was so hyped up. <laughs> it was nuts. Uh, Malik Wilson, also another guy that's gone under the radar. He's playing such unbelievable defense mm-hmm. for us. I mean, uh, he got a few steals in this game, uh, and then he finished off with that with that awesome dunk there at the end. Uh, a few, a few steals. Uh, four, bro. Yeah, he yeah. Had four. <laughs> yeah, four steals. And that's just the type of defender he is, man. And uh, I, I really love what he's brought these last few games coming off that injury that he had, he had that minor surgery. So now he is, he's back and he's, he deserves these minutes. I know I love Clarence, but uh, Malik Mm -hmm. Wilson deserves these minutes right now. 
No, I mean, I, I think Coach Adams is doing a great job balancing the minutes right now. I mean, I don't think he could have crafted a better game uh, the other night. And, and really, distri- he still distributed the minutes plenty. I mean, pretty much everybody saw the court. I mean, we almost had Bacho hit a three. This oh, close. Oh, so close. But you know, so who cleaned, close. you know who cleaned up that Bacho miss and made it a positive play for us? Marcus Santos freaking Silva. The the freaking truck that he is. I'm so glad he came back, dude. He made so many key plays for us in this game. And, you know, he's never going to have a crazy stat line. But, oh, my God, I love Marcus Santos Silva. I love that he's taken a bench role and embraced it and just comes in and plays hard whenever he gets on the court. I mean, a few people battled at the post like he did all night. He grabbed us four offensive boards. I mean, those Mm -hmm. second chance shots are huge, you Mm -hmm. know, And, and just to see him fight. He never stops. No. He, he never gets soft on going up for the ball. And that's what I love about him. And it's, you just can't replace that sort of uh, just bulliness that he mm. just, he's just a bull down there and he'll just push you right off. Cause he's a big man. And I just, I love the way he goes up and grabs every single board. And it's just, that's just huge. That's just, it's not sexy, but it, it wins you games. It does. When uh, late in the game, another huge play, Davion Warren missed a three, Marcus Sano Silva there to grab the offensive rebound, pulls it out. Bounce pass right inside to a cutting Davion Warren, who just mm-hmm. missed a shot, but yet he's going and driving, cutting to the basket, relentless. he gets an and one. I mean, that's just, that's both of those guys right there. Yeah. Just relentless, making winning plays. Absolutely. There's this, this team has no quit in them. They have yep. no stop. Yep, no doubt. Um, Adonis Arms, not a, not a good scoring uh, show from him, but he did everything else. I mean, nine mm-hmm. rebounds and four assists. He made his presence well-known, even when his shot's not following. I love Adonis. I, I know. I know our buddy Clay. He's, he's his favorite <laughs> player. He's he's too athletic to to stop. He's too athletic to have a bad game. The guy's yep. just a freak. He flies around. If he's not scoring, he's going to be your nightmare on defense. Or he's grabbing the ball off the post. He's the guy cannot be stopped. He's going to do what he wants to do, even if it's not lighting up the scoreboard. And I it just he's he's filled in for TJ so dang well. And he really he really did a great job that night. And and. I don't know. It might be the coolest video. While while Bryson has the best picture, I think Adonis has the best video with the uh this yeah. the let's get ready to rumble as he's cheering on the crowd as he walks up to the uh the the uh, the beginning of the game. Yeah, the tip off right there. Yeah, yeah it was. Yeah, that was a that was a really cool shot. Shouts out Texas Tech basketball media team. They did a fantastic job capturing mm-hmm. all of this past few days and and making some really cool hype up videos. Um, they do a great job over there. Uh, TJ Shannon got in at the very end there. Uh, Sticky. I didn't even notice. Very weird. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, the guy's clearly hurt. The guy's, I mean, but Adams felt compelled to have him finish the game when it's not necessarily over. I mean, we had, you know, an eight to 12 point lead the majority of the time Shannon was in. But, you know, he got in there, drove to the basket, got a nice layup there. Uh, almost had a really nice putback at the very end when, when the game was pretty much over. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, for, for Shannon to get in there in the clutch moments, it just kind of a weird, I've never seen anything like that where you're the first time the guy goes in is the very end of a, of a pretty tight game for the most part. I mean, putting an injured player in like that, what came to my mind was spark plug. Like just, mm-hmm. just to really ramp up the crowd, really ramp up the team to put this away. And I think that's what he did. I mean, yeah, he only two points, but like you said, he has this awesome drive. He plays his butt off on defense no matter what. But I think what really happened was I think TJ said, This game is too important to me, coach. I need to go in. I yeah. need to step on that court. I need to, I need to put put to shame my old coach. And I think that's what happened. I mean, I just I love seeing him out there. I mean, you know he'll hurting. I don't I don't think 
I don't think Coach Adams just flat out put him out there. I think he has to go. I think yeah, that's what happened. Yeah, I could definitely see that. TJ's that type of guy that wants to be out there with his teammates and, you know, mm-hmm. no matter what. And we've seen that all season. He's fought through injury the entire year. So mm-hmm. uh, I thought that was cool. Um, UT, man. UT did not look good the majority no. of this game. This uh, That first half, if Ramey doesn't throw in three of those crap three-pointers that he made in the first half, they would have been down 20. It just, I, I like, UT's offense is so bad. Yeah. I mean, like you said, you you put it on Twitter, and it, it really looked like they were playing scared. I mean, they were, they were taking all these long-distance shots. They didn't want to get into the paint whatsoever because of a certain defensive mind on the other team. But, dude, they just, like you said, man, I, I they seemed shaky the entire first half. Like, it wasn't even close the first half. I mean, we, we went into the half up double digits. It was like, we were, we controlled the game. And you're right. Those rain, those rainy shots, while impressive, they're really, really only going in the first half. It wasn't happening much in the second half. Um, so he, he got quite lucky, you know, hats off to throwing in those freak shots. But, dude, I mean, what more can you say than we were just terrorizing them? Yeah, I mean, he went, I believe, four of five in the first half, and then mm-hmm. he didn't make another one the whole rest of the game. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, Jones was Andrew Jones was bad. Uh, one of seven off the bench, hold five from three. Uh, Devin Askey, one of two. He only had three points. Febris airballed a shot. He was one of three. Um, Timmy Allen, this is their leading scorer, Timmy Allen. Five points, five rebounds, two of six from the field, two turnovers. Completely took him out of this game. Um, and this is a guy who he makes his living in the middle. What is our defense? The no middle defense. We None completely took him out of the game. I mean, and you, you have to wonder like with how poor of, of an offensive performance, I know that's not uncommon with UT and it's just, it's a problem with the Chris Beard's team. We saw that with the last couple seasons with us, uh, even though I forgot that he was already our basketball coach anyway, but <laughs> <laughs> But, dude, I mean, whenever, whenever we're talking about stuff like this, I feel like you can't rule out, rule out what the environment was, what the crowd was. I do think there's another reason why they were playing scared. I don't think it's just because they're going up against probably the best defense of the conference. I think it's because they're going up against this crowd they've probably never seen before in their entire lives. Mm-hmm. And just it was probably deafening, ear splitting on the court. That takes you out of it. I mean, how can you get into the offensive groove like that if you can't shut them up? You know, you had you the can. score to shut them up. Well, yeah, you can. You, clearly in the first half, they were just lucky to have made uh, the few threes that they did to keep them in at timely spots. But uh, And then the second half, they, they, you know, Marcus Carr showed himself mm-hmm. and what he is as a basketball player. He's a very good basketball player. You know, he, he got to the free throw line. I thought Christian Bishop had a pretty good game off the bench. He was grabbing some rebounds, almost tried to fight Kevin McCullough there uh, in the <laughs> yeah. second half. So they finally showed a little tenacity. Mm-hmm. But um, – you know, I, I would be I would be remiss if we didn't talk about uh, one of my correct predictions, which was uh, Chris Beard's going to throw Avery Benson in there pretty early in this game. You are an oracle. You are I, you are a fortune teller, my man. <laughs> I just I just knew Beard is too much of a showman for mm-hmm. him not to do that, and it only bit them in the butt yeah. because what did we say on the podcast? We're happy if Avery Benson is on the floor because one of their better players is not on the floor. <laughs> Last in the depth chart, man. Last in the UT depth chart. Yeah, and then he goes and they they clearly run a play for him and he gets a pretty open look from three. 
Brexit, and then Brexit. the crowd, the crowd <laughs> just goes wild after he misses this three-pointer, and it was fabulous. I mean, we were booing the crap out of him when he came out, and I, I mean, a lot of people are saying that he doesn't deserve it. I think he does. I mean, I, you, you give him hell. You give him he hell. Does. He look? He could have. He was probably a great guy when he was here. Yeah. He left for the Longhorns. He left you for don't... one dude. He left you're, the whole community of people for one dude. You're no longer loved or liked in Lubbock when you put on the burnt orange. You just yeah. aren't. No, no. At least and, for and, you and me. I don't know if we're just petty <laughs> or what, but no. No, what a, what a perfect moment. Him bricking it as bad as he did couldn't have been written better. Like It was a mad, It was one of the best moments in the game. Yeah, and, and uh, I wouldn't <laughs> – oh, I, I was loving this too. Uh, you know, UT gets there the night before for their shoot-around. They come in on their bus. Obviously, Texas Tech students are surrounding them, chanting profanities and, uh, you know, saying F-U-T, all that kind of stuff. And who comes out of the bus but Brock Cunningham? Their best player. The culture hustle guy off the bench. Glue guy. Comes off with without with his shirt unbuttoned, holding up the hook'em to the whole student populace that was chanting F-U-T. He goes out here, and he just puts on a show, man. Three points, <laughs> one rebound, no assists, uh, no no blocks, one steal, uh, five fouls. If he fouls out, right? He fouled out of this game. <laughs> Glue what, guy. What a Embrace joke. the hate. What a joke. You are the last man that needs to come out here and throw up the hook'em in front of the rest of the tech students. Marcus Carr needs to do that. That's Marcus Carr's job. That's not your freaking job. You're averaging two and a half points a game, bro. I feel like his teammates were like, what are you doing? (laughs) Do you not see what they're, how mad they are out there? Do you want to make them even worse tomorrow? You madman. And dude, I, whenever that happened, I immediately knew that we were already in their heads. If yeah. if we're not phasing you, you don't go out there. You just yeah. you just put on your headphones and walk into whatever room they're going to, and you don't even think about it. You just you just get ready for the game. But no, he was so drawn in by real fans. He was like, "What are those fans <laughs> out there? I have to go see this for myself." And he gets yeah. out there and sees everybody. And dude, I love how bad he played, dude. Oh. He played so badly. He fouled out. He had five fouls. He could have had nine. Honestly, there were so many times in this game where he he's not strong enough to hold up rebounding with a Kevin O'Banner or Bryson Williams. He shoved O'Banner so many times that went uncalled on the on free throws, on whatever, trying to grab a rebound. And he's just he's such a scrub. <laughs> God, oh. dude, man, I, I just this this game couldn't have gone more perfectly for a tech fan could it have no i mean this was just about the perfect outcome for us uh obviously we still have to go play them in austin which should be basically another home game for us see y'all there uh we will be there see y'all there uh shout like if y'all have a a bar recommendation or wherever texas tech fans tend to meet up when tech comes to austin let us know and we'll let the people know via twitter uh so we can all just have a ball that weekend i know it's going to be a good time but, um, you know, we still do have to play them in Austin. It's still UT. They're not a bad team. No. Uh, so, you know, you got to bring your A game. But with with how we played that night, I just see our momentum going up. Yeah, for sure, man. And I, I really do think we took the wind out of the horns against us. I think 
uh, us beating them, I think is really going to suck the atmosphere out of the Irwin, you know, as much of the atmosphere that could be found there. I do, you know, it's already being seen on Twitter that a bunch of Longhorn fans are putting up their tickets for sale for the game. Um, so even more Red Raiders can go, uh, especially once the prices keep dropping. Um, but, you know, to, to go back to, to our game and to, before we wrap this up, I just want to say how proud I am of Raiderland and how they acted during the game. I think UT fans wanted us to do something stupid, probably more than beat us. They probably wanted one of our fans to either throw something on the court or, you know, a whole bunch of fans throw stuff on the court or start an altercation with a player or staff member. I feel like they wanted that to happen more than beat us just so they can go on their little hissy fit, go on their holier than thou ivory tower train about how, you know, who cares about this game? They're just trash people kind of thing. We didn't even let them have that. We kicked their ass. And we kicked their ass at being fans. That's what happened the other night. Yeah, no, that's a that's a great way to put it. I thought everybody affiliated with Texas Tech did a great job prior to the game of kind of letting people know that we're not going to tolerate any mm-hmm. sort of, you know, ridiculousness of throwing stuff on the court or getting technical fouls, something that would hurt the team. Uh, I, you know, getting Norrence out there and Joey McGuire out there to talk to everybody prior to the game while still hyping them up. But letting them know, hey, you know, be responsible. Don't let us look bad through this whole thing. Every podcast was saying it. Every uh, media outlet was saying it, uh, you know, and and this fan base just did a fantastic job. This entire game, they showed the world what Texas Tech is about and that we are a passionate group without going over the top. Yeah, we, we take a backseat to nobody. We're not an afterthought. We we are proud of who we are and what we can bring. You know, we're, we're just as serious about it as anybody else out there, and may, maybe even more so. And I just I'm so proud of our our fans and the way the USA was blowing up. I I just you gotta think whenever Chris Beard left that court, you know, I you gotta feel like there's a some singe of regret of mm-hmm. you know that's what I helped you know, create, then I just abandoned it. You know, oh, like dude, he looked exhausted mm-hmm. after this game in the post game press conference in the handshake line. He just looked like he was so done with it. Mm-hmm. And that he, I mean, you have to think if you're Chris Beard and I know he's in the first year, a new program, he's making money, whatever, dude, you got to look at that. What you've seen at Frank Irwin Center all year, mm-hmm. and then you go into Lubbock and you see that type of freaking wild atmosphere that was just there that you helped create. You, I mean, there's got to be at least a little bit of regret, and yeah. uh, you know, I, I, whatever you can be hard headed or whatever, but uh, man, I, anybody in the world would tell you that Texas Tech has a better fan base right now than you two. Oh, well, without question. And I, I keep, I feel like I keep getting reminded over and over again that this is a one sport fan base that we just went up against. You know, it just seems like only it one is. sport matters to them um, because you, you, no matter what, they'll still still post the football score and all that. But, um, man, it just unbelievable. I and mean, we don't have to promise our students cupcakes or mimosas to get to, yeah. to the game. We promise them a fun atmosphere and something to cheer for. And it's just something that can't be said in Austin. And I'm so proud of it. I can't believe Chris Beard wanted to shrink the USA. He wouldn't have been able to fit 15,000 strong into a smaller arena. Come on, it could have been even bigger. Fill up a football stadium for that crap. Let's go. Yeah, that was nuts. It was a great game, great day, great everything. Texas Tech rocks. We beat Chris Beard. <laughs> and that wasn't our Super Bowl, or that wasn't our national championship. No, dude, we still have a whole freaking state yeah. or a whole freaking <laughs> schedule to go through now. Yeah. 
And we have a we have a couple tough games coming up. I mean, um, let's let's just kind of get into that before we get into signing day. Let's just stay on the basketball train yeah. right here. A um, couple big games coming up, uh, both of them away games. Texas Tech so far, as good as we have been this season, is one and three in conference play at on away games. So uh, not not a great showing on the road for Texas Tech. Our one win what was against Baylor. Great Number great one. win. Great pickup. <laughs> <laughs> Number one team at the time. Uh, we took Kansas to double overtime at the Fog. We almost beat Iowa State with seven players. We blew one against Kansas State in our fourth game in eight days. Mm-hmm. So there's valid excuses for these away game losses, but that record needs to improve because right now you can look at everything that went on. People are still going to see one and three on the road so far. So we need to pick up some big-time wins here. Yeah, I don't think this, this team is about excuses at all. I don't think Mark Adams is – by any means, an excuse guy. Yeah. No question in my mind. Um, but, you know, there's probably no sport to win on the road harder than college basketball. Just for mm-hmm. some reason, it just seems that winning your home games is just immensely more important than winning on the road. But you're right. If we want to get that Big 12 trophy, we got to really turn it on. I mean, we're a game and a half behind the Kansas Jayhawks. We're having a great year, but we, we're just as good as them. I really do think that. It's just, but you're right. We got to, we, we can't just, we can't keep beating in these tough spots on the road where we have a lot of injured players or really tired. It's just, it's really got time to start turning those L's into dubs. Yeah. And that's why this stretch is so important because we do, we start off this Saturday, the fifth at 1 PM, we go to Morgantown and play West Virginia um, place to win. It's a tough place to win. It's a tough environment. Those, those fans really care up there and they're rowdy. Uh, even though their team has kind of fallen lately, you know, they've lost a, a, a bunch of games in a row. Uh, mm-hmm. Taz Sherman is questionable for this game, which is uh, could be obviously a good thing if, you know, he, he went off when they came to Lubbock and he had a great game. Uh, if he doesn't play, there's not a lot of scoring uh, from, from the rest of the guys. But, again, it's in Morgantown. It's in West Virginia. So it's always a tough game there. I mean, we're talking about a guy that's averaging 19 points a game. That's, yeah. that's pretty pretty decent. That, that beats that beats anybody we have uh, in and in, in points per game, but obviously we're a more complete team. I um, mean, we're talking about a West Virginia team that is dead last in the Big Twelve. I mean, there's there shouldn't be really an excuse made uh, with an L. This one, if it's an L, that's just a hard L, kind of like the Kansas State game was. Um, we gotta go and get this one. This is a must. I think this is a must win, especially on the road with how bad our road record has been in the conference. I mean, we say it every week. I mean, the Big Twelve is the hardest conference in the country, and every home game is an absolute battle. West Virginia is one of the biggest ones in battle wise. I mean, they have awesome fans, so it's we definitely got to bring it. But this, we have no excuse to lose to the dead last team. Yeah, you're, well, you're looking at who's last in the Big Twelve: West Virginia and Oklahoma State. Yeah, like come on, man. Good teams. Like, every <laughs> single one of these teams is really is really good to solid. Mm-hmm. Okay, and both of these teams that are coming up are solid. Uh, the other one being Oklahoma. Uh, we travel to Norman. First time we played the Sooners this year. That's going to be on Wednesday the 9th at eight p.m. at the Lloyd Noble Center in Norman. Um, Oklahoma's still a good team, man. They're in the first year of a new head coach as well. After Lon Kruger retired, they now bring on uh, Porter Moser from uh, Loyola, Chicago. Everybody knows about their Final Four run. And then I think they had another pretty deep run after that. But uh, he's a great coach, and they have some solid pieces. Uh, So, again, it's just another game that is going to be gritty and going to be tough. And OU's, OU's brought a lot of good teams to the wire here. Yeah. Um, 
and and both of these games are, are kind of the same deal. You just have to you just have to get these. One hundred percent. I mean, this OU team is tied for six with four other teams in the Big Twelve. So after sixth place, you're last. <laughs> so that's that's how it's working right now. Um, but not quite as hostile as an environment as the Mountaineers are in in Norman. No. No. But uh, so that's another we should be going. We should be going to this week, two and up. All right. Ending this week, two and up. And it's 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 a great time to kind of get things back together, really solidify our place in at least second place in the Big 12, hopefully, uh, maybe even first if things go right. So it's you know, it's a it's we're here in the second half stretch of the conference play. It's time to really start getting those road wins. And I think this is a great place to start. This is a good place to start kind of building momentum on the road, building some steam because you're so much better than these two teams. They're good teams, but Texas Tech is so much better. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, but both both these teams have really solid players. Mm-hmm. OU, uh, I know we were in the run-in to get Jordan Goldwire, the Duke transfer. He's been playing pretty solid for Oklahoma this year. He's a good defensive player. Uh, they have the goofy brothers that kind of took over. Uh, the the NCAA tournament last year with Eastern Washington, uh, Jacob and Tanner Groves. Uh, I know there was a bunch of memes about those guys. Uh, I think I think Tanner Groves put up thirty something points against Kansas in the tournament last year. So uh, he's been a solid piece for them. Uh, Moshe Gibson, he can shoot the rock. He's a he's a quick little guard there, uh, and they just have a solid solid team. You know, yeah. it's not bad. Oh, he's it's never not fantastic. Bad but it's solid and yeah. both of these teams could squeak out a win here. And that's why you got to keep this same energy mm-hmm. going on the road to try to get these wins. Are you worried about a hangover at all? No, I'm not. I think we're riding. I think we're riding high, but I also trust in Mark Adams mm-hmm. to, you know, keep this team level head. And we're such a veteran team. I mean, all yeah. these guys have been through the ringer and back, you know, when it comes to Bryson Williams and, Kevin O'Banner. They haven't necessarily been with Texas Tech through the ringer, but they've been in college basketball. They know what getting a big win is like, and they know that this isn't the end game. You know, yeah. they know that beating UT does not end the season. So no. they we have much higher aspirations this season than just beating UT. We're still going after the Big 12 championship here. We're still going after a deep run in March. I mean, these guys still have so much to play for. And I think Mark Adams does a good job of celebrating the big ones, but also getting them prepared for the next one. I mean, by every metric, the better team won last Tuesday. You know, you, in any way you look at them, I it just it's just the emotional hangover is what I was alluding to. Obviously, I sure. don't think it was just like, it wasn't an upset or anything like no, that. No, yeah, no doubt. We we covered so <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so it's I, I just you know I, did, I just was wondering if there was any concern with that, but I think there's also a lot of time space. Tuesday was a long time ago at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, expect whenever whenever this at this point in the season, so I'm not worried about that. So I just I expect us to get things done. Um, but yeah, man, anything else to talk about with basketball? Uh, no, I think that's it, man. We just got to get a couple, couple more wins and, and hope Kansas, <laughs> hope Kansas loses a few, hope Baylor loses a few and you're right there in the running. So, sorry, Joe. Uh, yeah. Sorry, Joe Goodman. You're, you're one of the good Jay good Goodman's out there, but, uh, <laughs> you know, we gotta, we're hoping for Baylor L's actually, we probably hope they beat Kansas like here on Saturday because Kansas is number one right yeah. now, but, um, I, I did want to say there are some similarities right now between this team and the 2019 team, because this is about the point in the season where the 2019 team went on a run and won our last few big 12 games. I think we won like our last six or seven big 12 games mm. to eventually give us that title. So, you know, you're riding high on this momentum. You want to keep this going, get a couple, uh, a couple tough road wins. Uh, and then you, you know, you still have Baylor on the schedule. You still have to go to Austin and, uh, all these other games. So, um, and, yeah. And I trust coach Adams, keep him laser focused to get that mission yep. done. And just before we move on, I just, you know, you brought up Jay Goodman. 
Talk about a redemption story for Jeff Goodman, yeah. dude. Incredible stuff from him all week. Love seeing him just really embrace the fan base and just have fun with it. He didn't like, he didn't overthink it. He wasn't like overly professional about any of it. He just seemed like a basketball fan all week. And it was just fun to see. Yeah. Jeff, well, Jeff Goodman's one of the, I guess, one of the good ones now. Um, <laughs> uh, but this is, that's what national media people need to do. Mm-hmm. They need to go to Lubbock. They need to go see a game Just there. Go experience the fans. You'll realize that we're pretty cool. All right. Yeah. The atmosphere is great. Lubbock's not that bad. No. You know, it's good stuff, man. So more there's people need to be there. like, it's yes, easy to get to. You got to from Boston to Lubbock in two flights. <laughs> Fantastic. It's not hard yeah. to get to. <laughs> Well, you know, that's just so cool, man. It's good. It's just, yeah. just, just good to see guys that aren't too good. Just, you know, just keep sticking to their guns and just, it was yeah. just great to see. Yep. Go visit Lubbock. All you national media people that aren't listening to this podcast. Um, <laughs> let's move on from basketball, a great week of basketball, uh, and hopefully many more weeks of greatness to come. Um, National Signing Day happened uh, for football. <laughs> Normally, if all this didn't happen, this would be probably what we opened up the pod with. Mm-hmm. But um, no, I mean, football National Signing Day, it's not as big a deal anymore because of the early signing period. Right. Uh, you know, we had the majority of our class signed there. So we only had three high school kids signing on National Signing Day. Um, and then the rest of them were basically transfers. But we wanted to run through those with you guys and kind of just keep you updated in the know of what Joey McGuire has coming in his first year as head coach. Um, The three high school guys, Eric Gray, this was a dude that we talked about in the initial class in the early signing period that we were wondering why he didn't sign in the early signing period. And uh, I mean, he's a three-star O-lineman, four-star, wherever you look uh, from Amarillo. And, you know, we want to keep the West Texas guys here. And Mm -hmm. we were a little concerned because he was getting some, looks at from, you know, programs like OU and, and, you know, UT was looking at him. And so you were happy that we locked this kid down. Yeah, no, I, this, this was one of the first ones that you wanted to see. And it's just, Joey McGuire is going to do what Matt Wells claimed to say he was going to do. And that was build up a fence around West Texas uh, tremendously, but uh, <laughs> he did not do it so well. He did not do it so tremendously. Uh, Joey, Joey McGuire going after these guys and just landing them, getting them away from big guys like that. You know, you got to make sure that these kids in West Texas dream of going to Texas Tech. And I think Joey McGuire is doing a great job beating that. Yeah, no doubt. I we want some a... big boys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, he's recruited a ton of them. I mean, yeah. it's been all about the trenches with Joey McGuire so far, whether it's D-line or O-line. He's getting those big boys to come here. Um, moving on with the high school guys. This was kind of an interesting little flip here. Uh, Gavin Freeman, who was originally committed to Texas Tech, uh, decided to take a potential walk-on spot with the Sooners of Oklahoma. He's an Oklahoma kid, um, and and now he decided not to sign with Texas Tech, and he's going to try a, a walk-on spot with the with the Sooners. Uh, we, uh, but you know, the whole thing here, I think he kind of just lost his spot. It wasn't. Yeah. I, I think it was less about him making this decision and more about us deciding to go with the three-star wide receiver from Stephenville in Coy Eakin. Yeah, I mean, it's it's there's a lot going into it. I mean, apparently this kid, apparently his dad played at OU. You know, like you said, he's an Okie. But it's just a bizarre decision in general to pick a walk-on over a scholarship. I just, I don't think I've seen that before. I think it's, it's kind of a strange decision. But like you said, maybe a lot more has to play into it with us maybe roping in and maybe a more talented wide receiver. Yeah, and I mean, just potentially 
it may have not even been his decision. It may have been Joey McGuire saying, oh, Hey, yeah. you know, Wells recruited you. I didn't really recruit you. So, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. You may want to try somewhere else. And that's, you know, that's nobody's fault. That's just kind of how it plays out sometimes. So mm-hmm. uh, we did get the three-star wide receiver, Koi Eakin from Stephenville. So that's another wide receiver we're adding to the roster. Last high school kid, a Texas tech legacy. Sammy Morris, the fourth coming in uh, from Prosper. High school, he's a cornerback and a return man. Uh, I don't know how highly touted he was coming out of high school, how good a player, but he's a legacy. Sammy Morris is on the current staff, so this was just bound to happen. Oh, for sure. And building rapport in a town like Prosper is not a bad move. I mean, that's a huge high school, very talented high school. So, I mean, you got to bring your legacy players in. And, you know, we we one of the reasons why we brought on Joe McGuire was to, was to find these, truly find these diamond in the roughs, where these high school coaches are like, no, you got to look at this kid. Like, I know that he's not all over these boards, but, you know, he's this kid can ball. So I'm, I'm really hoping that's it's one of those cases as well. So it's just kind of a, a wrapped up package with that more than just getting a highly touted dude. Yeah, no, absolutely. So um, those were the only three high school kids we signed uh, on signing day. A uh, bunch of transfers signed uh, guys that we've already talked about. Cade Briggs, Michael Shanahan, Monroe Mills. All these guys are offensive linemen transfers. Uh, from uh, some of them pretty big time schools. I mean, Monroe Mills is coming from Oklahoma State. Uh, Shanahan was a standout from UT Martin. Cade Briggs was really good uh, for New Mexico. Uh, Jacob Rodriguez is a safety transfer from Virginia. Uh, he, he's kind of a weird story. He's like a former quarterback turned defensive back. So he's coming in. I know some people were a little concerned that we were getting a quarterback transfer. Uh, it's like, no, we got our <laughs> quarterbacks. We're fine. Yeah. You're not, you would no more quarterbacks at tech for now. Yeah, no, I think we're good with having to choose uh, this difficult decision between the yeah. three we already have. So, uh, a couple more guys to run down Blake Bedwell is a running back transfer from SMU. Jordan Brown is a wide receiver transfer from Kansas. Obviously, uh, Emma Jones has now rejoined the staff here at Texas Tech. He was at Kansas, so this mm-hmm. is one of his guys. So, he obviously sees something in him. Uh, another wide receiver, Hayden Wigington from uh actually OU he's a transfer from OU so that's a uh, you know for him to get recruited over there that's pretty big time and then another legacy Drew Hocut I don't know I maybe have heard that last name before in my life <laughs> and he's from Angelo San Angelo State man Texas yep. Tech School yep just no just you know, transferring within the system yeah you know no no sort of uh ties to the school at no. all go uh, Rams in- though Go Rams. Big, big Angelo State. We're big Rams guys. Big Rams guys over here on the Talking Tech pod. Uh, No, no, but yeah, that's just funny having Kirby's son get over here and enjoy the program. You know, uh, I'm not sure how much he's going to play. Probably not much, but you know, he's he's here. And he's is, here, is Kirby Hocutt gonna gonna hoe us and, and get Joey McGuire fired over his playing time? No, nah, just, just no chance. Oh, <laughs> no, what a wild story that would be. Yeah, that would, uh, I, would, I would. I think I might uh, die from depression or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's not happening. Uh, no, a couple more, playing. couple more transfers from community colleges: Dennis Wilburn and James Grando. Uh, both of those coming from community college. Apparently most of these guys are coming in as walk-ons actually. Uh, so, you know, we'll see uh, who ends up potentially getting a scholarship, who ends up actually playing and being a part of this team next year. But that was what signing day was. And now we'll probably lay off football until summer, man. But it's, it's just, it's so yes. good to see 
juice injected so powerfully back into the stagnant program. And I just love what Joey McGuire has brought to the campus, seeing him before the game with Norton Odiase pumping up the crowd. It's just, that's what I want out of my coaches. I want a guy so involved, you know, mm-hmm. Matt Wells tried, but it's just so genuine and comes so easy to Joey McGuire. You know, he's out there passing out pizza to all the campers and stuff like that. He just, he's so bought in. Yeah, no, absolutely. Joey was fantastic mm-hmm. all weekend. He's been fantastic since he stepped foot on campus. So mm-hmm. Uh, no, no, uh, no regrets about the Joey McGuire hire so far. Uh, you know, we'll obviously see, and, and we're going to be talking about spring ball too. So that's coming up here pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, football's nonstop these days, dude. So we're, we're true, probably always going to be talking about football. Luckily for us as well, baseball's coming up and we're pretty good. Go. Uh, we're always pretty good at baseball. We're always really good at baseball. Some might <laughs> pretty say pretty good, <laughs> pretty good. And uh, we've been playing, seeing plenty of put them on the board tweets. You know, we, yes. it's so easy to get roped up into basketball and football and all that, but just, just what's seeing, seeing what Tim Tadlock does in West Texas with some of the best baseball fans out there as well. It's just, it's great to see every year. I'm really looking forward to it. It's kind of like my comfort food. It's like, I know we're going to be so good and I just get to kick back and watch us kick everybody's ass. Yeah, and baseball is just that type of game where you can just kick back and just throw it on the TV while you're cooking dinner and grabbing beer and doing whatever. But, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, obviously this past week was dominated by basketball. I had a really good time talking about the fantastic win over the Longhorns, uh, and hopefully this team just keeps it rolling, dude. Absolutely, man, and I can't wait for our UT game in Austin. I can't wait to see all uh, all of our fellow Red Raiders out there, Red and out Austin. Yes, please. Shout out to where y'all are going to be drinking at. I know it's an early game, early tip-off, 11.30 in the morning, I think, right now. So afterwards, when we beat UT, tell us where we're going to go celebrate. Tell us, uh, give us some recommendations, and we'll let the people know, and hopefully we just have a big uh, Texas Tech Red Raiders taking over Austin party. And that was me knocking on wood, by the way. So (laughs) Thank you. Yes, I knocked on wood as well. (laughs) (laughs) Let's do it. Let's end it off with this episode like we always do with some songs of the week tristan what's your song this song i mean this 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 episode might be my new favorite i had such a great time recording this one one. vindicated man all right so what i'm doing i'm doing one that's uh kind of fades off the theme of what the game was because of how scared they played the whole time i'm going with be afraid by jason isbell in the 400 unit it's kind of where they kind of break away from their country sound into a more uh, rock and roll sound. It's it's a good pop up song, and just you know telling them be afraid, man. And I, everyone else on the schedule needs to be afraid. And Jason Isbell is just one of the best in the business. He's just an amazing songwriter. Cool, man. Yeah, I mean, uh, I I kind of had a little phase where i listen to a lot of jason isbell he's a great songwriter he's got a he's got a really cool voice great band so um i know i think i recommended tupelo not too long ago but i get stuck uh, in my head all the time it's a great song fantastic (laughs) song so i'm looking forward to hearing this one uh that you recommended my song of the week i told you when we tried to record this episode yesterday that it was going to be spicy it's a good one it's just an all-timer my song of the week is what Mark Adams is, and that is Hero by Chad Kroger. Oh my god, Josie <laughs> Scott from the Spider Man soundtrack. Oh, the Toby Maguire Spider Man soundtrack, I should say. For you kids, 
for you kids out there that maybe didn't, you know, only know Andrew Garfield and Tom Holland Spider-Man. Yeah, we're talking American Spider-Man, damn it. We're, we're talking American. Oh, yeah. I didn't, I didn't even realize that Toby's the only American Spider-Man. <laughs> Who plays right. in a, a New, New Yorker. You know? Yeah, yeah, really. Uh, no, no, that's my song of the week is Hero and Chad Kroger. What a pick. Oh, my God. All right. I don't think there's a more perfect way to top it off. Bring us home. Yes. We are going to bring it home like we always do with some plugs. Please follow both me and Tristan on Twitter. Tristan is at Tristy Mick. I am at L underscore S underscore Rodriguez. Follow the pod on Twitter. We're over 1,500 followers. We do appreciate all of you for giving us the love on that stupid bird app. It is at Talking Tech Pod. Um, you can just rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. We are on Apple Pods, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Pods, everything you can ever imagine. Uh, songs of the week playlist it's on spotify and apple music as well uh hopefully you know i think we give them some pretty good jams over there oh yeah uh, i think we do a decent job making the playlist definitely we definitely a lot of variety uh we oh, do some for sure. so you know you'll get you'll get hero you'll get some country you'll get some uh i think we did a nickelback <laughs> song of the week not too long ago nickelback and jason isbell what that's jason. that's the combo people look for that's it that's what you look for you always find some variety in that songs of the week playlist but um Again, just thank you all for this awesome week. Uh, everybody that was at the game, it was it was really cool to see. Uh, wish we could have been there, but, you know, just seeing it on TV and everybody coming together on social media, it's always fun. Uh, but we really appreciate you all listening, and we're going to end it off. Always, Reckham Tech. Reckham Tech. Uh, wow. First of all, uh, got a lot of respect for Stephen and Tristan. Uh, their program, tough guys. Just uh, a lot of fun. I love the game of basketball, but also love West Texas. And I love Stephen and Tristan. I'm extremely proud. Well, I don't know where we go from here. I'm, I think I'm just going to sit back down. It's just not getting better than this. I would like to thank uh, Stephen and Tristan. This is incredible. These guys have a passion and a love for this school.